Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this cinematic expedition is Adam Walker. Hello, Pilgrim. See, now I see your little squiggle there, so I officially know that it was a real health check that passed. Oh, good. good. So, you are not dead to the world. You, you, this is actually you, and it's not just a um, a uh, AI voice that I've manufactured for this podcast. It's actually Patrick Mitchell on the other line. This is great pod talk. People are going to be stoked. <laughs> to kick it right off the top, let's talk about things that don't matter to anybody, and that's how... <laughs> We actually get our programs to operate correctly. Our high production outfit here. Very high. So for anyone that's um, still listening, (laughs) (laughs) we are on to episode two of our special treat, Treats Across the Board, five episode Halloween series. Um, And we are talking about... Occult movies tonight. Mm, Satan! Satan! And I don't know, Adam, if uh, you've run into the same same issue I ran into, but I came up with so much good that I had to stop. And I there's stuff that I had to leave off because I was like, I just can't. I can't keep going with the amount of good. And I seemingly don't really have any bad i it's it was really hard for me to pinpoint anything bad uh this this will be an interesting discussion tonight yeah i'll tell you what manny uh that uh that was an issue that was definitely that i was going to bring up that the list just went on and on and on uh with the goods but i do have a bad i actually the way this is going to the trajectory of this episode, the way it's going to go, it's going to go similarly as the last one in the sense that um, I'm going to talk about a particular individual that is near and dear to my heart that has let you down, been, that has let me down. That's how we're going to that's how I'm going to bookend my discussion about these movies. So I definitely have a bad but the good, good, the good, far, far, far outweighs the bad. And I tell you what, with these movies, I just, I personally, and I'm sure you did too, just, just took a witch's clawed, a Satan's clawed finger, and just scratched the surface. There's so much to choose from, as opposed to the last episode when we were talking about anthologies, where there's. There's a lot of anthology movies, and there's a lot of stuff that I personally haven't seen myself. But as a genre, as a subgenre, the breadth isn't quite as wide. Whereas with this, and and then when we get into talking about the next category, I think, which I won't reveal, there's there's too much almost. There's so we really gotta pare it down to the to the very, very quintessential um items in this subgenre. Yeah. So. Episodes two and three are going to be heavy. Um, yeah. The more it, the, the, uh, the strange middle ground that you have to find is the more movies you want to talk about, the less time you have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you came up with 
a shorter list of movies, you could talk lovingly in depth about two or three movies. Right. But like coming up with six or seven movies, you can only touch upon it briefly and have to move on to the next one. So that that was the that was the struggle that I came up with is. But I, it, as I just kept thinking of movies to talk about, I was like, well, I can't not fucking talk about this. Like, so, but you know, in uh, in some regard, the our lists are going to overlap. So hopefully while we're talking, it's like. Okay, that was on my list, and I scratched that off. So we don't each have like seven unique movies that the other person isn't doesn't have on their list. Yeah, so it'll be good. Um, I struggle to kind of uh, you know describe this genre is is a little is a it it kind of and that's why I think we came up with so many movies. Maybe you could do a better job. I mean, the occult tends to deal with like secret societies or, or hidden kind of uh, covens. And so that would most often have to do with like witches or pagan kind of cults or devil worshiping and, and that sort of shit. But do you have like a better, less wordy (laughs) explanation as to what occult movies are to you? So people kind of know about the movies we're about to bring up. I would just say, no, I mean, that's pretty much what I would have said too. there. I feel like there, there is the overarching occult movie, which deals with all things that it would be considered the antithesis of Judeo Christianity uh, in terms of themes and in terms of, you know, the, the antithesis of what is considered moral good um, and, and, and things like that. But then you can break it down even further into, well, then there's strictly ones that are about worshiping Satan. And then there's the witch ones, like you said. And and there's some combinations of, of the sorts or, you know, there could be, you know, it could be completely, you know, f- different from either one of those where it could be like a Lovecraftian type of thing where it's not necessarily talking about a Judeo-Christian sort of antithesis, but it's delving even deeper and more obscurely into other kinds of religious evils like Sumerian and, you know, Mesopotamian. And so, you know, yeah, it just essentially does with, it deals with pagan culture and, and, and esotericism and conjuring of forces, uh, a man conjuring forces to do his bidding for what would be considered ill, you know, striking ill will into, you know, onto the world or his enemies, mankind, humankind, whatever. So that's how I would sum it up. Good. Yeah. No, I you think know. That, that adds to it as well. Cause it is, a, it's, it's like a, Oddly specific and yet broad uh, category of movie. yeah. I would just say oh, again to reiterate, it's just it's all about the undoing of what is considered, you know, the creation of God, as as Western Judeo Christian folks know it. So there you go. <laughs> Nothing's fucking rather than that. Um, Hell yeah! Do we want to just get into our good? Yeah, man. 
Let's fucking let's roll. Let's uh, let's yeah, it. let's let's roll let's roll up our warlock sleeves and let's dig our I guess our, the only point of order for anyone that hadn't tuned into the first episode is we're gonna have three categories here the good, the bad, and the best. The best mm-hmm. being reserved for the one movie we think is the best for this category of occult movies for tonight's I would, episode. I, yeah, I would say one or, one or two, because I had two no, for the last. No, you narrow it down to one. All right, motherfucker. You always do this. You always like, I, but I have a runner-up. No, fuck your runner-up. Put the runner-up okay. in the good. Fine. <laughs> one. Watch. All right, one. So let's roll. The good, the bad, the best. talk about a multitude of good right yes of course okay well why don't you why don't you go ahead with your good um since i have such a a meaty sandwich here mm. um i will start with the only movie that i rewatched for the purposes of this podcast so there's some recency bias going on uh but and it almost actually made I almost had it in my best because I rewatched it and was like, this is just as killer as I remember it being. And I fucking love this movie. Kill List uh, 2011, directed by Ben Wheatley, um, British director. It is unlike any movie that we're going to talk about tonight. It is the first three fourths of it are a hitman movie basically contracted killers that basically like melds into being a super fucking nuts cult movie towards Hmm. the end. And there's some sprinkled things throughout the first half or what two thirds uh, that make you like cock your head and be like, well, that's a weird, interesting thing. And everything kind of culminates in the end. Um, have you seen Kill List? I haven't. Oh yeah. my god! I cannot wait. In terms of an off mic discussion, okay. you have to see Kill List. I I cannot imagine your world is going to be what my life is before and after I saw Kill List. <laughs> Not I wasn't even aware of this movie. This is you know the the first I've ever heard of it. There was a time uh, in my life where Ben Wheatley was uh, genuinely my favorite filmmaker. Um, he has since rattled off a a litany of just like, just big budget, uh, I don't know. He, I don't want to say sellout, but he fucking, he, he, his movies aren't as gnarly and as gritty and original as they once were. But Kill List is followed up by Sightseers, which is a dark comedy. And Sightseers is one of the funniest, most fucked up movies that I've ever seen. So at that time, when he put out those two movies, I was like, well, I guess this guy's the new fucking genius in horror. That was back in 2011. Um, but please, you and everyone else that hasn't seen Kill List, do yourself a favor and see Kill List. I'm going to yeah. go ahead. 
Uh, I was going to say, yeah, interesting. I, I don't know. That name sounds familiar. That director's name sounds familiar, but I don't know if I'm familiar with anything he's done. You know, um, his most, I think his biggest budget, like the the movie that was actually out in theaters is like across the country is, is Hightower, I think it's called. Um, no, High Rise, I'm sorry. High Rise. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's probably his most well-known movie, but he kind of was in the trenches of 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 horror and just like offbeat comedies early on in his career. So, um, High Rise and I think Free Fire, yeah, Free Fire came after it, but uh, you gotta you gotta delve into some some Ben Wheatley. He's he's uh he's fucking great. Yeah, I'm looking him up right now and. The only things that I that I know of his, I've seen the ABC. Or I started watching the ABCs of Death. We talked about that on the last mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, and, I, and he directed two episodes of Doctor Who, which I haven't watched um, any new Doctor Who. No, I don't, so, I don't fuck with Doctor Who either. I like old Doctor Who just because it's like so shitty and like so weird. Um, but I haven't watched it in a long time. So, yeah, so this guy, don't know anything about him. Don't know f- fuck all about him. So I'll check it out. I would do Kill List and then I'd watch Sightseers because they're so uh, diametrically opposed to one another. Kill List is uh, not funny at all. <laughs> nice. And Sightseers is like genuinely like gut-bustingly hilarious black comedy, like fucked up black comedy. Um, all right. Ho- horror comedy. Um Go ahead, though. What 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 do you have on uh, the occult? We'll just keep kicking it back and forth. So I think I've got a trifecta of movies that I will talk about, hopefully, if uh, time allows. But I think what I'm going to, because this is fresh in my memory, and this is actually, I watched this movie recently, not in an effort to rewatch it for discussion, but just because I love this movie so much and have for so long. And... I realized that I had a VHS copy of it, which I didn't know. So I I dug it out. And that is the movie Warlock from 1989 Mm. with um, uh, Julian Sands. Are you familiar with this movie? I know what you're – I've not seen it, no, but I I know of Warlock, yes. Yeah. So I saw this movie first time years ago. I wouldn't say I was too, I probably wasn't a kid. Maybe I was, I don't know, but it's one of those movies that definitely saw it at an impressionable age. And it isn't comparatively the best film, but you know, it, it, it made an enough an impression in, in me that like I have nostalgia attached to it. And it never gets old every time I rewatch it, even, you know, as my own inner, you know, critic develops, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. And Julian Sands plays, I feel like the best, just bloodless, evil, fucking old, like old timey, uh, devil worshiper, like of any movie and it's it's very similar it's it, it's almost like a modern kind because this again like this movie came out in 89 it's almost like a modern recast or a fish out of water type of story 
uh, if you took a Hammer Horror cast yeah. and, pu- and put it in 1980s L.A., that's basically what it is. <laughs> this uh, the only thing I know about this movie is that the that VHS cover is so iconic with him and the the like Satan's shadow being cast on that yeah. white, white background. Like I always see Warlock at like Goodwill, and I'm always like, <laughs> no pun intended, no not today, Satan. Like I always see it, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> for whatever, I have no I have no opinion on it. I just always see it. I'm like. Not gonna pick this one up. I don't know why. I, I, I'm I'm neither not drawn or drawn to it. I just have I'm just neutral. But now that we are suggesting movies, that's interesting that I picked one that you'd never seen, and now you're picking one that I'd never seen. So we'll do a swap. You watch Kill List, and I'll watch Warlock, and we'll we'll get back together. On I it. think you'll enjoy it. It's a good movie. It's it's a fun ride. I'll just go to Goodwill. Every fucking Goodwill has Warlock on VHS. I don't know why. Why they do, but I've seen I've seen it at every Goodwill. Yeah, and I know you like a good fish out of water tale, and it it's I definitely do. it's I definitely do. that. I'll but fucking, with I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, but with devil worshiping and time hopping, it's time hopping, fish out of water, devil it's worshiping, like the fucking quantum leap of uh, devil worshiping. Totally, absolutely. Right. So that that's that's what I have to. Uh, to volley with yours what do you got um we can't have this discussion without bringing up uh 1973's the wicker man Mm. um i don't i i'm not gonna opine much about it other than to say it and maybe you'll agree or disagree but it is the quintessential movie of this category it is like the occult movie. <laughs> like if you were to start somewhere, you could either start with the wicker man or Rosemary's baby, I suppose. Um, yeah. But that 1970s satanic panic shit that happened mm-hmm. spurred so many good seventies occult movies. Um, and the wicker man is cream of the crop. And you also don't have midsummer without the wicker man. Um, yeah, it is a proto uh, midsummer. And Christopher Lee in it is so ghoulish and fucking great. Um, And if you're watching it for the first time, it's one of those movies that you you can never watch it for the first time again. The feelings you have uh, without I'm not going to spoil anything, but the feelings you have in that in that last that final act, I I have, have not been duplicated with any other movie of like sheer panic and realization it is so effective it is so good i wish i could go back to a time where i watched wicker man for the first time um some of it is that the only reason it didn't even make my best is it is like (laughs) there is some outdated shit it came out in the 70s so there's a lot of like uh i don't know i feel like there's a lot of like flower child bullshit hippie crap going on the whole fucking time too like (laughs) like uh, uh billy jack like just some some of that weird shit going on that you have to sit through, but uh, it, the ending is is more than worth it. Yeah, this particular category of film had its heyday in the late sixties up to the early eighties, the very early eighties. So, and we kind of talked about this. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you and I, as we both know, we had an interview with a podcast 
um, that won't be named. And that was a topic of discussion where we were discussing the emergence of the occult genre and film and what kind of cultural real life, you know, um, <clears throat> I guess circumstances created that to be a phenomenon. And yeah, I feel like when you talk about the flower child aspect, that's, that's part of it. It ties into the fact that, at the time in the late sixties and seventies, people were engaging in a lot more free thinking and alternative religion exploration. In the fucking way possible. Like the <laughs> lamest fucking like that stuff is is cool in concept, and then they fucking killed it by being like the lamest people on the planet. Yeah. And then I would say also women's women's liberation you know, also to a certain extent that would lend it to the witchcraft aspect of it, you know? So there was not only like a real actual, you know, movement, uh, a progressive liberatory movement in society that reflected in the movies, but it was also a fear from the opposite end of the more conservative sect of society that I think was, you know, that, that created this sort of like refraction of movies where they were worried about like, you know, the, the, the dismantling of Judeo Christian values. And that was manifested in like horror movies about the occult and things like that. So yeah. And the wicker man is a prime example. I feel of, of that sort of, you know, that paradox or that dialectic that was happening because you have it represented in the movie, of course, with, the cop who is the conservative and is worried about the town. And then you have the cult, you know, and, and, yeah, and I guess from the 2020 lens, maybe you don't feel as much apathy or em- sorry, empathy. Uh, because yeah, the, the protagonist in the movie is a, is a cop who shows up to this secluded aisle to mm-hmm. uh, investigate a murder, but you yeah. genuinely, are in his shoes of frustration of trying to figure out uh, what, how, how to go about, you know, uh, solving this murder while being just fucking roadblocked at, at every turn uh, by like fucking <laughs> hippie bullshit. <laughs> I have no other way of, of explaining the wicker man other than lots of hippie bullshit going on. I never empathized with that character at all, uh, cop aside, just because I was like, man, this guy has such a stick up his ass. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I never. Mean, but, you know, I, I, obviously, I think the Christopher Lee part is is the rad part, but you have to feel for that situation in order for that ending to be effective at all, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, the Wicker Man. I mean, you have to. We have to fuck. It had to be on this list at some point. So, uh, go ahead. Come man. Um, it's also a kind of cool later. Is that your Iron Maiden, uh, Iron impression? Maiden, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Oh, time will come. Um, so, okay. I have, I have like, I said, I, I, I wanted to, I'm, I'm trying to keep this brief i know we need to do this but so i'm, I'm already I'm, there's already like two or three movies i'm not going to talk about just because there's no fucking way we can get through all of these unless we start hitting on the same ones 
Well, the next one, I'm just I'm looking straight at. We'll just talk about it. I feel like it needs to be brought up. I was going to talk about the House of the Devil. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's on my list, too. So that works. Yeah. And I also feel that House of the Devil in a lot of ways was a very pivotal movie because going back to talking about the heyday of these type of movies, I feel like this movie in a lot of ways really genuinely evoked that aesthetic and feeling of those movies, but more recently and it came out in 2009, but everything about like the, the, the atmosphere and the, uh, the just like palpable constant kind of like uneasy and terror that you would experience in in good representations of these style of movies, I feel like was definitely replicated with House of the Devil. So I feel like I had I had to mention that one. Yeah, I mean, and um, for fans of uh, of this podcast, anyone that had listened to the Manhunter episode knows how much of Tom Noonan cucks we are. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I mean, like you to piggyback off of what you already said, it, it is, it is genuinely insane how representative of like the late seventies, early eighties, that movie is, it is so fu- It is. They did such a wildly good job. Ty West did such Ty a West. wildly good job of, of shooting it on our, like in an archaic film format to get like the graininess and the cigarette burns and all and all that shit and casting wise i mean for instance d wallace is just ageless i i you cast d wallace and she doesn't look old as shit and it doesn't like throw you off you're like d wallace is like a a warm fucking hug of an actress like she's the mom in et like seeing her dates the movie it's perfect casting um She's in AT, she's in The Howling, she's in Cujo. Cujo. Yeah. My wife and I met Dee Wallace at a uh, at a horror convention, and she was unequivocally the sweetest woman I think I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I believe was, it. She was so sweet, and there was nobody there to talk to her. There was like she was she was next to um well, she was next to Tom Atkins. Me and my wife met Tom Atkins and Dee Wallace all within the span of like 10 minutes. And no one was over there talking to either one of them. It was surreal. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but she's she's the fucking best. She only has like five minutes of screen time, but she's the best in it. Tom Noonan is just absolutely amazing. Um, Mary, lead, Mary Warnoff. What's that? Mary Warnoff is also in it, and that that oh, kind of yeah, yeah yeah that complements the discussion about. Warlock, because she's in that as well. Oh, she's in both. Oh, okay, nice. Mm-hmm. She's the yeah. mom in it, right? She's the, she's the wife. The, that's what I meant. The wife, yeah. She's she's Tom Noonan's wife, and it's funny because in Warlock she is a victim, in in this she's the victimizer. It's true. So yeah, House of the Devil fucking rips. I will defend it forever. So yeah, that's that's my next pick for good. Um. What do I want to throw on this shit heap? <laughs> shit heap of good. And I only say shit heap because I could endlessly talk about some of these movies. I think we would do us. Uh, it would be a disservice if we didn't mention the beyond is the beyond on yours. No, it isn't. And I meant to put it on there, but I'm glad you uh, you put it, put that in there. Maybe my favorite Fulci. I probably, yes, I would say my favorite. 
Either that or Zombie 2. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a neck and neck there. But the Beyond is so occulty and fucking mm-hmm. dark and like just like gates of hell being fucking summoned open and like it is so uh it's just so dreary and and fucking like depressing throughout like it's so so good i fucking love the beyond um and it's got classic fulci stuff from a uh practical effects uh, perspective the tarantula scene where the tarantulas are fucking eating that dude's face uh fucking rules it's so good it's one of my favorite horror scenes um and even it's just a mix of like uh real tarantulas and clearly like tarantulas on a stick uh but it's it's effective i mean it still works um so the beyond yeah if you're looking to get like really just Anti uh, humanity. <laughs> oh yeah, pop that yeah. bad boy in. Yeah, I love. I just love that trinity of movies that it's basically a part of: House by the Cemetery, The Beyond, and City of the Living Dead, aka Gates of Hell. Those yeah, are movies. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned the the trilogy. I mean, the Beyond. I, and unless you disagree, the Beyond is easily the best of those three. It's hard for me to say. You know. I mean, I just would you would you put one of those ahead of the Beyond? I would say of the three, Gates of Hell is probably my favorite. Shit, yeah, I disagree. But 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 they're all so similar in vibe and just feel. But the Beyond is is fucking good. That end scene where they're in that just desolate wasteland, you know, that hellish wasteland beyond the gate. Or you know where wherever they're at is it, it is so disturbing. It's and, in a, it's <laughs> a like purposefully a nihilistic fucking movie. Uh, yes, and well, the, the drawback of New uh, of New Orleans is perfect. Like it's, absolutely, uh, it's just like the backdrop. I should say the backdrop of New Orleans is like the perfect complement to that movie. I would say that's true for like all Fulci. Uh, you know, it's yeah, very, yeah. it's all very nihilistic and very misanthropic, and yeah, but he's uh, like H.P. Lovecraft minus all the like vehement racism. <laughs> well, no, you just you just you just trade in the racism for the misogyny with with Fulci. That's true, which <laughs> I you know, and that's not an equal trade, I suppose. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have? Okay, so this is how I'm going. I, I decided in my brain how I'm going to wrap this up um, because we talked about I talked about a movie from the 80s and then we went and we talked about a more modern movie because there was another more modern movie that I feel like needs love, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to go back. And I'm going to talk about one from the 70s. Incidentally, this movie, when we did our, our final episode for the first season, this was my first pick originally. To end mm. that that season with, but I, I was like, no, I thought that Miss Forty Five would be a better um, cap to that season for a lot of different reasons. So eventually, I would like to go in more in depth about this movie. But I, I'm going to pick for my next movie, Al Yukarta from 1977. Um, Never a, even heard of it. Oh, it's amazing, and we got to talk about it. You got to watch it. Uh, it's a Mexican occult witchcraft movie from uh, like i said from 1977 
by a director named Juan Lopez Moctezuma, who was somehow like a protege, I think, of Yodorovsky. So, I was about to say, I'm looking, I've looked it up now, and it's got Yodorovsky uh, vibes. That's yeah. weird that you said that. That's funny. Yeah, and it's it's very surreal, and uh, there's just some, like, there's some very interesting set and costume choices, because the movie itself, in terms of the era, it's supposed to be 17, 1800s. But there's there's some very interesting um, choices in terms of how the the nuns are dressed in the coven. They're they're like they're wrapped like mummies essentially. Yeah, I'm noticing con- that. Yeah, because they're being flagellated all the time, so they have to always be wrapped Ooh, in a easy gauze. Access. Yeah, um, got to get the easy access for the flagellating. But it's got some real good uh, uh, lesbian, uh, vampiros, lesbian, satanic scenes. Like, yeah, there's a screenshot of like a goat man making two women kiss. That's pretty cool. Yes. It's amazing. And a little Indiana nod here Coffin Worm utilized uh, imagery from Al Yucarta for some of their merchandise. (laughs) That's tight. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, you could, I could see that, I could see it now of just mm. how bands could be influenced by the imagery here. The the various posters that I've seen so far are fucking gnarly, so good. Yeah, this movie's this movie's pretty insane. So hopefully we'll be able to come back that. around to and talk about it on the, on the heap. Tight. I'm so glad you brought uh, brought up another one that I haven't seen. So there you go. That's my other one. I don't know if you want to keep this going or if you want to go into the bad. Um, Because there's, again, there's so many we could talk about and we're going to be missing some pretty crucial ones. I'll do a, I will do a, it's not even a runner's up. I'm not going to talk about any of these movies for longer than 10 seconds. Mm. I'll just name uh, the the three that I did not get to talk about Mm -hmm. um, just so we could throw them out there as watch these movies if you haven't watched them or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah. The Witch, Robert Eggers. Um, right. I mean, I'm not even going to say anything. Just fucking watch it and put the subtitles on. Um, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and then the the next two, one is obvious and one is not so obvious. The Blair Witch Project, uh, the original Blair Witch, obviously is fucking groundbreaking and... Um, I still think to the children being forced to stand in the corner of the basement to this day, it's like haunted me. Yeah. Um, it's super creepy. So, I mean, Blair, Witch still holds up, uh, all, after all these years and the least expected one, my favorite paranormal activity movie, paranormal mm. activity three, which is the prequel sets up a whole host of really fucking badass coven witch shit it is so good it is phenomenal it's definitely my favorite paranormal activity um and it'd be easy to watch without having watched any other paranormal activity but it's actually more fun if you watch them in order because it it's it connects and grows the universe of paranormal activity so you could watch it separate without having watched the other ones but you'd have a better time if you'd watched the first two. It's fucking phenomenal. And it's got a just 
again, really, really imaginative coven shit going on, like all about like firstborn children and how their great, great, great grandmother had made a pact with the devil that the firstborn son would be sacrificed and all this shit. It's fucking great. Nice. Um, yeah, I've never I've never seen that one. I only saw the first paranormal activity, so you could probably just dive in. I mean it's not uh it's not heavy, it's a prequel, so like I said, it, it's it's easy to just digest on its own. Uh All that's right. that's my good if you have anything else to throw on there before we uh, say our piece. Yeah, I'll throw some runner ups too good. that I feel are, are worth mentioning. Um Um for me, pumpkin head. Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad uh, you brought up Pumpkinhead. Child's Play. First Child's Play. I didn't even think about how. Wow. That is. Yeah. That's outside the. I like that a lot. That's, I mean, obviously, he does the. Oh, we do we. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's like voodoo piece. Uh, uh, priestess shit. Yeah. that And that terrified me when I was a kid. It's like, oh, this fucking. Oh, I celebrate all of the Child's Play movies. All of them. All of them, Adam. Yeah. Um, and then finally, this is the one I was going to mention in lieu of Alucarda, but since it's a more modern film and I feel like it's a good movie and I, a kind of a sleeper hit uh, was uh, Starry Eyes. I don't know. If oh, you've seen yeah. There's a more recent one that that one's really good about how she's yeah. like uh, wanting to be like an actress and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking that's a really good one. And basically she just yeah, she she sells her soul to a a, a coven. That's you know they're they're an entertainment agency. Yeah, and, yeah. Because yeah. Hollywood like, is the biggest uh, fucking cult, probably in the abso- world. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's got one of the most gnarly murder scenes in it too that I won't I, talk about. I, it's just, I know exactly what you're talking you about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh fuck, man. Anyways, so those those are some runner ups for me. And uh, I would be remiss if I just didn't say I've mentioned off the top, but we didn't talk about. But Rosemary's Baby is not in my best. Uh, so I didn't yeah. want to just look like a fucking poser without saying Rosemary's Baby at least. I mean, once. there's, 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 there's going to be some ones that definitely should be considered best. But for the intent of this discussion, I'm gonna for when we get to that, I'm gonna bring up something that maybe is off the beaten path, but I think is worthy of 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 note in the best. I don't, I just, I don't want to talk about the ones that are obvious because, yeah, I mean, Rosemary's Baby is. It's that's phenomenal. on there, yeah. Hereditary, also. I didn't even hereditary, think about fucking yeah. hereditary. It's also not my best, uh, not my favorite favorite of this category, but it should be mentioned in the good. Oh, one more I want to mention real quick, and then we move on. Black Sunday, because I wanted to go back further. More Bava. We'll mention Bava every fucking category if we can. Yeah. Let's move into the bad, which I struggled mightily with, and I don't. I still don't know how I'm going to bring how I'm going to talk about this. But uh, I came up with three movies that are at face value good movies, but that I I have personal take personal umbrage with. So I would maybe just say these are like overrated. Maybe mm. is a better term than bad because I don't think okay. they're bad. I actually enjoyed 
parts of them. But these are three movies that are highly touted that did not scratch uh, an itch for me. Um, I don't know where to start other than to say the the first two, I think I can lump into the same category because I had the same issue with both movies, which is The Void and mm. Mandy. Um, oh, oh, everyone you, fucking oh, you're hurting me with that one. I was like, Mandy, I was like, you, you had me. I was like, yeah, brother, preach on. And then you're like, what? <laughs> then you fucked me up. And uh, for what it's worth, Mandy is I, I had more. I had a better time watching Mandy than I did The Void. But my problem with both and I don't mean to go against my Greek brother in, in uh, uh, Panos Cosmatos, but um <laughs> Because uh, the color out of space fucking riffs, I think it is phenomenal. But M- Mandy and the Void, the Void more so, is so unintelligible towards the end. It's so fucking dark, like, and I mean dark, like, <laughs> like hard to fucking see what's going on. Dark uh, to where it, it kind of erases the whole the whole point of the movie like i want to see all the tentacles and shit in like real life i want to like i want to see that shit up close like i know they kind of used it as a way to mask uh you know cgi effects and shit but with the void the void had so much potential to be absolutely killer because i i liked the aesthetic of it but just felt kind of um hollow to me um and and I had the same issue with with Mandy. It was like um, it was unintelligible at times. So it, I I just had a hard time following it, and also felt like it was like I don't mean to be like a fucking old man, but it was like dark and hard to fucking figure out what was what I was looking at. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna interject for a second just to make a correction. Yeah, just so everybody knows we're not fucking posers. So pa- Panos didn't direct Color Out of Space. Oh shit. I, it's I, Richard I Stanley. Know, I don't know why I thought he did. He did well, uh I have he did Beyond the Black my... Rainbow. That's right. Okay. I don't know why I got Yeah. I don't well, I'm a fucking poser then. No, Sorry. I mean it's an, it's a, it, so it's funny. It's an, I feel like it's an easy mistake to make because all these movies have been made by the same uh, studio, by the same production house. Um, so they have a Horror very of similar. Space really does feel like a like a movie he did. That's uh, that's uh, it that's totally my dust. That's my it has dad. it has a very very similar vibe. But it was Richard Stanley who did Hardware and Dust Devil and and um, uh, the the much maligned uh, fucking. Island of Dr. Moreau with oh, that's right. Yeah. With, um, the remake uh, with, uh, Marlon Brando. So, but the, but not to get off track too much, but that color out of space was Richard Stanley's big comeback. So it was very anticipated by a lot of people because he had been out of the game for 20 years. That makes sense. Totally mm-hmm. makes sense. But Panos did beyond the black rainbow and Mandy. So there you go. Maybe I was thinking Beyond the Black Rainbow, but honestly, I'm just going to be fucking honest. I just thought he did that fucking movie. <laughs> hey, that's why you got me here is to, I, you know, is to pick you up when you stumble, my friend. Well, I still look like a fucking idiot then. I guess I'll just uh, gimp into my the next movie that I wanted to fucking uh, talk about. Which I is, feel like, yeah, well, I was going to say, I feel like 
once in a while when we do an episode and especially when I go back and re-listen to it, I was like, oh, like I'll, I'll say something stupid. Like I told, I, <laughs> I know in the last episode, episode I fucked up because I thought that this, you kept saying that the second story in Creepshow 2 was the wrath. I but know. I kept saying the raft and I was like, I'm not, I don't think I'm enunciating. No, no. Like, and, and then I was like, oh fuck. Why? Of course I should have known that. So whatever, man. Like, Hey, it's all, it's all, it's all good. I'm ashamed. Um, well, it's, it's, uh, so I'll mention the third one. And if you have any closing thoughts on any three of these movies. Oh, feel I free. do. Uh, oh, I do. Mid, but I guess the elephant in the room here is midsummer and whether or not you fucking yeah. liked it or not. And Midsummer yeah. is ironically um, the polar opposite of these other two movies in terms of it's probably the brightest, most beautiful mm-hmm. horror movie I've ever fucking seen. Aesthetically, like the most pleasing and it's just gorgeous. This is like a, a fucking gorgeous cinematic journey mm-hmm. that is completely vapid and, and void of, of any <laughs> like I just it was it, as it as it as it transpired, I like just saw where it was going and it never swerved. And I, I was, I guess maybe I have shell shock from just thinking that I'm going to get swerved. Yeah. <laughs> With those kinds of movies in particular. And I just, it just kind of ended and I was like, huh, that just was kind of the movie that I thought it was going to be two hours ago. And that's what it, it became. Now, Ari Oster has set himself up for, perfection now with uh with hereditary specifically so i came in with probably unrealistic expectations um so i don't want to it, it, it is not a bad movie i i actually enjoy it and i want to rewatch it to see maybe if i like it a second time around that i could easily see myself liking it a second time around but when you're in the fucking movie theater with like your 13 year old stepson and like <laughs> Fucking weird shit going on. I maybe I was just more uncomfortable with with uh, the transpirings. Maybe I'll give it a rewatch. But upon initial reaction, would be that I feel like that movie's a little overrated. Yeah. So I'm almost with you on the on on this discussion. Totally with you on the void. That one was a big letdown. I was really looking forward to it. I was I felt like that movie was going to be a very very um a very good homage to a certain like a, a an assemblage of movies, but they were just trying to do too much and they weren't able to quite stitch it together effectively and yeah there was a lot of lighting issues cinematography was not really the best pitch black there at the end and that's the time where you want to see the shit the most right and i feel like that might have been i don't know if that was just because they were trying to cover up some shoddy practical effects almost assuredly you know so they were just obscuring it more in post i don't know but that one was a bummer, and that's one of those movies that I see other people, you know, they'll jerk off about it. And I'll be like, bruh, that, that movie ain't that great. Yeah, However, really I strongly disagree with you on on all counts with Mandy. I loved Mandy. I remember when I saw the trailer for it, I was immediately like, 
I got, got got goosebumps. I was like, man, this is it. This is this is really like this is the new horror movie that I need. It's gonna have everything I want and then some. And then I saw it, and I was not disappointed at all. I wouldn't. I mean, I see what you're saying. Where it definitely fits within this category. I mean, it's a cult, but it's not a cult. If you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, so yeah, because like a, a group of like fucking junkie hillbillies kill his wife, and uh, right, my I haven't seen this movie in fucking years. Well, it's 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 just, it's a small cult of hippies that's led by uh, this failed folk musician essentially and he's rebranded himself as as a as a cult leader and they're essentially they're just all fried they're fried from too much acid they use acid in their in essentially their sacrament to get new followers so it's he's a very manson-esque character in the sense that he's just brainwashing people with just jolting them with so much acid in their brain so yeah I don't know. I think Linus Roche is fucking amazing in it. Like he's he put it actually like when I saw him that role, it was it was pretty like I didn't expect it because I've seen him in so many other things where he he doesn't play what would be considered like a, a wild card character. You know, he's he played a uh, he played uh, Thomas Wayne in the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman movies. So the fact that he plays this like just insane, like bipolar fucking cult leader that just goes full frontal on the screen um, to me just kind of blew my mind. So, and I genuinely, when I watched the movie, I felt like I was tripping on acid. It definitely like has an, a, a hallucinatory experience, uh, like kind of nature to it that is, you know, induced in the, in the watcher. So, I don't know. I, 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 that's one of my favorite movies of the last decade, to be honest with you. I think um, that sums it up, though. Like when you said, when I was watching it, I felt like I was genuinely tripping on acid. It's like that, uh, that Simpsons, um, episode where Bart is hanging up the signs because he's running for class president or whatever. And he's putting up signs that say a vote for Bart is a vote for anarchy. And then there, <laughs> and then Martin Prince is putting up signs that are saying a vote for Bart is a vote for anarchy. Like you're saying, like, you're saying like that as a good thing. I'm saying that as like a, I don't fucking like that kind of thing. I don't oh, like okay. that. Like I don't. I, and it's hard to pinpoint because I, I there's fucking bizarre ass movies that I love. Yeah. But when it comes to like, uh, <laughs> like in, it's in it's in the movie because what the biker gangs like they're like fucking cannibals on like LSD or whatever, right? Like yeah, basically <laughs> the premise is that. They were human, but they took such large quantities of this particularly strong hybrid of LSD that they just mutated, which is <laughs> is just like insane to me. That that concept. Everything. And this, this is all on paper, fucking rad. But when I watched it, I was just like, uh, "Oh, this is like uh, staring at a lava lamp for like two hours. Like I'm not uh, getting anything out of this." I don't know, man. And I'm we're not e- we're not even getting into Nicolas Cage. I felt like that was like Nicolas Cage's like best comeback. Like that was a that was a big comeback for him. I felt like in that role. I'm not on the uh, jerk off to Nick Cage just being fucking nuts. Like 
and that being funny, like in a movie, like I just don't, that's not, I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, I'm not right. I get what you're saying. I'm not coming from that perspective because I genuinely think he's a good actor in cape when, when he, when he, when he's put in capable directorial hands, he actually is a very, very talented actor. So I'm not saying like, that's why, you know, I got into it. I was like genuinely stoked to see people also stoked on Nicolas Cage being in a movie that was like a cult movie you know that everybody was kind of rallying for but whatever um i don't want to get too much into that uh because i got to touch on midsummer real quick before we move on and yes i also kind of agree with you on that i i feel like i'm i'm in a more of a midway point whereas i actually really liked it when i saw it in the theater almost to the point where for a minute i thought i liked it more than hereditary i thought that ari aster had kind of just like move the needle a little bit more to you know to the right in terms of you know developing his his vision the thing that soured me on that movie was the uh the interpretations that was surrounding it after the fact and there was a lot of voices that were trying to um elevate the main character as being this kind of feminist kind this feminist figure and i felt like that was like really way off the mark and so there was it's not so much the movie that was disappointing to me i mean it was a little long um if i have any like sort of technical criticism of it um it was more the kind of i felt like it it attracted a lot of noobs to horror that like normally don't give a shit about the genre don't know anything about it don't have any context to discuss it and then they were trying to interpret it in terms of these woke sort of like manners like oh it's a it's a it's a critique of patriarchy and and it's you know it's it's establishing you know this feminist dominance because it's a pagan you know, society that's dominated by, you know, matriarchal or women. And it's just like, no, it's not. And that main character is a blubbering fucking uh, heap of fucking emotional shit. So that was what bummed me out about Midsummer, basically. Yeah, I... <laughs> I have nothing else. I have nothing else. It, it, it's exhausting talking about this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many people are so... Uh, so passionate about how much they like it. Uh, right. It's just, but I feel like people that are, pa- there are some people that I know that are like, they know what's up that love this movie. They're, they're genuine fans of the genre, but I just felt like it definitely was like flypaper for a lot of people that just don't like, you know, like just kind of interlopers into horror and don't really give a fuck about it. And, you know, so that's what really kind of soured me on it. And and actually, after, like, I thought about it more, I was just like, yeah, Hereditary is a superior film. So whatever. I could give a fuck less about Midsummer anymore. Well, I'll, I'll double down and I'll I'll fucking admit if I'm wrong. And I'm going to go ahead and just watch, like, the three hour director's cut that he fucking released and fucking see if that does anything. Please do. Oh. I will probably walk away vehemently hating this fucking movie <laughs> if I watch the three-hour director. It's like uh, it's like a, sh- a, a, a teardrop under three hours. Yeah, it's super long. My God. Well, I'll- I don't know if I'll ever rewatch it, and I I want to rewatch it because maybe again I will have a different appraisal of it. But I would definitely, without a doubt, I would rewatch Hereditary. Like no, like no even yeah, second thoughts of that. And it's right. still great. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. 
So what's your bad? Okay, so uh, my bad. I'm just going to pick one movie, and I picked it intentionally because it's going to be a bookend to what I consider the best. No, oh, and okay. my bad is Mother of Tears. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 the the thing is, the difference between these three movies that we just talked about that you picked and this one is, for me, there's there's really very little equivocation. This movie is a piece of shit. I kind of like Mother of Tears. That's so, funny. okay, so this is what I'll say. I'm not there. It's not completely without some good moments. There, there are some little gems to pick out of this turd. Um, it is for, what for, I would for people that aren't familiar. The the Mother of Tears is the third movie in the Argento trilogy. The three mothers. First yeah. one being Suspiria. The second one being Inferno. Inferno, and then. The third one being Mother of Tears, which is separated by Inferno by like uh, two to three decades. <laughs> yeah, 30 years. Yeah. Came out Pretty. much, much further down the line because Suspiria is like late 70s. Inferno is like early 80s. And Mother of Tears is like 2000. What? Seven. Seven. Okay. So, yeah. So Suspiria came out in 1977. Inferno came out in 1980. Mother of Tears came out in 2007. So okay. yes, a, okay. a significant time lapse between the first two of the trilogy and this. And also, we've talked about this before when we talked about Phenomena, that basically after Phenomena for some, Opera for others, Argento kind of jumped the shark. There's he, does, not, he does fall off the rail significantly. Yeah, and so this is pretty far into like his oeuvre where... You know, he wasn't he wasn't really he wasn't able to churn out the bangers anymore. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with this movie is if it didn't have the Argento name attached to it, it probably would not be as it wouldn't it wouldn't raise my cackles, hackles, sorry, wouldn't raise my hackles quite as much. Um, but the fact that it's an Argento movie and it's associated with what is to me Argento's two best movies in a lot of ways. It that's what really like you go into it, you know, immediately as soon as the movie starts and you see you you start vibing it out, you're like, oh man, like this is not good. This doesn't portend well. Um there's some pretty choice gore in it. Like there's some pretty brutal scenes, some pretty brutal victimizing in it. But Man, other than that, it's just like the style, the stylization that people associate with Argento that makes him such a singularly unique director and makes his movies so impressionable. It's completely lacking, completely lacking, has this like modern, like almost like made for TV kind of movie veneer to it. And the acting's not very good. Um, Like the witches has never been a good actor. Yeah, Asia's acting skills are much to be desired. The, the actresses that play the witches, it's like the witches are more just like these irritating, like like goth woo girls. They're they're not intimidating or scary or creepy like the witches in the other movies. They're just irritating. You're just like instantly like, God, fuck these fucking women. Um and it's it's just editing wise it's a fucking mess like argento and fulci they're both known for having this kind of disjointed style to their directing where you know 
it's supposed to provide like this dream like surreal quality in certain ways and there's not really supposed to be what would be considered a a continuous line of logic into the 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 direction of the movie to the arc of the movie but this one it's just like some it's just really sloppy shoddily kind of pieced together editing that doesn't give you that same kind of uneasiness it 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 doesn't seem very intentional it just seems like it's kind of thrown together so I was really bummed on that one. And I know a lot of other people were too, but yeah, that's my I bad. I see why it's hard to talk. I understand off the top when you said it was hard for you to talk about because it's one of your favorite directors. So yeah, I don't absolutely. remember much about I, I can't even defend it. Um, I remember liking it. Like, not mm. like everything you're saying is true. I'm sure it sucked. <laughs> but I think just from just being like, oh, cool, this is connected to the other two, there's some finality to it in terms of like, the three mothers are defeated forever. I, I remember a priest getting fucking killed in a gnarly way, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. So Udo Kier, it plays the priest and he gets like just he gets pretty fucked up. So, again, there's like there's like that is the one takeaway. It is one of the most gory, brutal Argento movies that I've seen. But that's really it. It doesn't the, the gore factor doesn't offset, you know, everything else it's not supposed to be just like a slasher gore movie there's supposed to be some atmosphere you know and and some sort of art you know there's supposed to be a sophistication to it that doesn't exist oh and top it all the 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 outro credit songs is like it was composed and played by claudio simonetti from goblin and danny filth from cradle of filth does the vocals and it's just the worst shitty hot topic fucking that's dope yeah, it's it's real it's real rough. It's such Fuck. a bummer. Damn. So there you go. Okay, so <laughs> let's wrap it up with our best. Talking about mm. our best. Why don't you why don't you go first? So I'm gonna throw a little curveball hill hill hill. I'm gonna throw a curveball. I'm curve going to throw here, a curve, I'm gonna throw a curveball here because you might have seen me talking about this online and we just talked about Argento and it's fresh in my memory. And I'm going to go ahead and say for all intents and purposes right now in this moment, the best for me is Inferno. And I'm saying that too, because you know, people want me to say Suspiria because that's considered that's, that's the big daddy. What the fuck? That's the big daddy of Argento films. I'm not, and and I'm not going to deny you that I'm going to, that is an amazing film. It was the first Argento movie I ever saw. So it was like a perfect introduction for me. Um, but uh, I just recently watched, rewatched Inferno. And I don't know, man. Like the more and more I analyze this movie and the more I watch it, it is quickly racing up the charts as being my favorite Argento movie and and in a lot of ways a quintessential occult movie which i can't get into like the minutiae of why uh, you know if, if we had more time but to me right now i'm gonna say it inferno the best wow that yeah. is a curveball that wouldn't have yeah. been on my radar mm-hmm. i'm not saying you're wrong uh i'm just surprised yep there it is well in a more surprising twist it's crazy that we're gonna pick these two movies as being our best. Um, I'm not sure you've, uh, if you've seen this, but my go-to, if anyone ever comes up to me or messages me or whatever, which happens every year, uh, I'm kind of a big deal. 
um, they'll say, "What recommend the scariest movie?" This is stupid shit. Like, recommend the scariest movie. Like, which yeah. is dumb. Which is super stupid. That I've never seen. Like, as if I know what you have and haven't seen. But right. My go-to because most people haven't seen it and there, it's genuinely terrifying. Is the Sentinel from nineteen seventy-seven. Oh. My my dude, I, I I actually I had the Sentinel on my list. Damn. So yeah, I'm glad that you picked that because that is a very curveball movie, and I feel like it is worthy of any accolades that you're going to that you're going to shower upon it. So please, continue, <laughs> so please glad. continue, I'm my so friend. Glad you see it. <laughs> yeah, it is under it is undercover, not just the best for this category it is undercover in my probably top 10 favorite horror movies it is yeah so fucking good and underappreciated <laughs> and not talked about very much it's got burgess meredith uh so like that rocky theme runs yeah. real fucking deep maybe that's why i like it so much but yeah. burgess meredith is is in it um is, general synopsis without ruining anything is, is a woman uh, moves into an apartment complex uh, where there is a, a sentinel living there in the form of a, a blind priest who is keeps the gates of hell from unleashing demons upon the earth. He is the sentinel, and his whole job is he's like the fucking gatekeeper that is in this, this fucking apartment complex. Mm-hmm. But it genuinely has some of my favorite scenes in all of horror, um, one of which, and this won't ruin much, but she goes into one of the downstairs units and is like super confused. And she turns around and there is a fucking old man in his underwear, just like staring at the fucking corner. <laughs> and, yeah. you, and he darts across the screen a little earlier and you're like, what the fuck is that? And then she turns around and you just see him stare, standing in the fucking corner. That whole sequence of her going in that downstairs unit is some of the best horror that I can fucking think of in any movie. It is so like, it's so good in that, like what is going on? You're trying to deduce what's going on, but also like super fucking creeped out and, and genuinely unnerved with everything that's going on. It's phenomenal. It's so good. It's my best for sure. So before we kind of maybe talk a little bit more about the Sentinel, I want to say this, that I also, I'm very happy that you picked that and that I picked Inferno because if you actually put these two movies side by side and you kind of think about like some of the characteristics of it, there's actually like a lot of similarities in terms of these movies because with the Sentinel, you have this figure that is that is a guardian to you know gate uh, the gates of hell or whatever or is like is a guardian keeping demons from crossing over into, you know, into our world. And in Inferno, it's also, it's, it's a haunted building that has um, a kind of sentinel or, or this, this, these figures that occupy it. Whereas like the building more or less seems like it's empty but there's only like a couple like sparse figures that are in, that are very strange individuals and you know the way they interact with other people the um, is very I didn't even odd. think about how similar they are you're right though yeah there's a lot of similarities like you know if you think about it and and you know like 
the end you you get to a point where there's this there's a climax in terms of like between like the protagonists you know and you know doing what they can to prevent you know the the evil or the you know whatever the 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 possessing force of these buildings from actually leaving it and and wreaking havoc onto the world so yeah i think that's really cool that like you picked that without me knowing it and and how um how i feel like they kind of complement each other in certain ways the one thing that i do love about sentinel a little bit of trivia i don't know if you read this at all but um so when there at the end when there's just the the host of like those like deformed beings there's you know the beings are the 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 the, these malformed beings that are supposed to represent essentially like i guess like they're cast out of hell this you know the uh this uh litany of different kind of people but those were actually real life like people with deformities and with handicaps that the director controversial point of the movie it was a big controversial (laughs) that um that the the director who was also the director of of death wish yeah michael winner michael winner he had actually handpicked those people from you know halfway houses or psych wards or whatever (laughs) and cast them into his movie and when i found that out i was like what the fuck like that's definitely a thing from the 70s that it's genuinely a movie that was that can't be recreated it's like they just don't make movies like that anymore right um so from that aspect yeah uh it's <laughs> yeah, and the and the and, and the Burgess Meredith connection also same for me. Like I love Rocky as well, and anything I ever, anytime I see Burgess Meredith and anything, it always puts a smile on my face because Rocky he was Twilight just, Zone. Yeah, 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 he was just like a, a funny actor, like unintentionally certain ways, you know. Very much um, so, and he's very quirky like, and weird in the Sentinel. Yeah, so. Yeah, dude, I'm really and stoked. And young you ass that. Christopher Walken is in it for about five minutes. Young Christopher Walken, and also a young I always Chris forget Sarandon. This. There you go, Chris Sarandon. Thank you. Um, so yeah, good uh, good cameos by both of them. Um, so it's excellent. If you have just have not seen The Sentinel or Inferno for that matter, uh, those are two must must watches. I would I would imagine, um, in my humble opinion. Yeah, and again, good because, like I said, anybody, you know, anybody, any fucking dolt off the street knows about Rosemary's Baby and Exorcist and The Omen, and those are all great movies and very foundational. But these are two that, you know, if you really want to put some fucking hair on your chest, you know, and be a soldier when it comes to this stuff, you're going to sit down and you're going to watch these movies, and you're going to like them. You're going to fucking like them, goddammit. (laughs) Well, cool. You think it's magic? No. I'm not a magician. Now we have to hurry because we still have to pass through a number of strange phases and you'll change. You were looking for me, just like your sister. This is what you wanted. I'm coming to get you. Tell me who you are. The three mothers. Haven't you understood? Mater Tenebrarum. Mater Lacrimarum. Mater Susperiorum. But men call us by a single name. 
a name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. They call it That was good. I, I felt like that was good. Yeah, so um, next week we are talking about slashers. So um, good we're luck have a trying list to get through that one. Billy yeah, Moore. we're going to have a list mile a mile long. I think it's going to be similar to this where we're just going to have to parse it out and mm-hmm. uh, figure it, just fucking figure it out. <laughs> we yeah, we did a good job. We did a good job this time, I feel like. So yeah. we'll, 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 we'll crush it. So for those uh, looking forward to it, um, next week we'll be, we'll be slashers. And so we'll catch you next Friday. Um, these are coming out every Friday in October. So set your fucking podcast to download uh, the shit on Fridays and get, mm-hmm. let it send you into your weekend, maybe with some movie recommendations. Into your, into your devilish, blood-soaked, God-hating weekend. Yes. Yeah. All right. Loving, I love him. You lovingly say that. Yes. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our perfectly crafted uh, intro theme music uh, that is specific chef kiss for these October episodes. We're very grateful to her for that. Um, If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixflixpod for Adam Walker. I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next time. Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> come to the seven. Come to the seven. Satan's there. Come, come, come to the seven. Come to the seven. Satan's there.